Have you ever wondered what the biggest thing that you could do in life would be to help you succeed, to help you move forward, to help you bring your dreams into fruition? I think that uh, in the next couple minutes, I'm going to share with you kind of one thing that I am seeing, sensing, feeling is kind of that thing. And, and here it is. It is you. It's it's you. For me, it's me. For you, it's actually you. Like the greatest work that you could do to actually bring your dreams into the present, whether that dream is a relationship, a health goal, a business goal, a thing that you want to write, a project, something that you desire to do, something you want to achieve, it starts with you. At the advance and in the online uh, class version of that. And by the way, you can get all of this information at theladder.info. Just go to www.theladder.info and you can even get the free online worksheet, the free seven, eight page PDF that just kind of outlines all of the things that I've talked about related to the last couple of episodes. This is episode number six in the ladder series. I've taken a break from the redemption series and am planning to be right back with that in the next episode. Uh, You can get all the information right there on this at theladder.info. And in that series, in in that information, what we teach is, is this, that who you are is greater than what you do. Who you are outshines, it amplifies, it overarches, it is so much more complex and greater than anything you do, um, such that the fruit of your life is really an overflow of the person you're becoming. And I say it's of the person you're becoming because there's always this hope that people transform, that people change. In fact, you know, the scripture even says, like in 2 Corinthians 3.18, that we're being transformed from one degree of glory to another degree of glory to another degree of glory, like just spiraling up and up and up. Paul even says in Romans 12.1 and 2, like, don't be conformed to the world, be transformed. Like there's this idea in Scripture that we're already sanctified, we're already made whole, such that First uh, John four seventeen says, as Jesus is now, as Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, pure, holy, good, just, righteousness, completely at ease and peace. As He is, so are we in this world, is what John says. At the same time, there's this tension of you and I are being transformed by the renewing of our mind. Uh, per Romans 12, to one degree of glory, of another degree of glory, to another degree, per 2 Corinthians 3. And all of the great things that you're going to do in life, they really are an overflow of who you are. They are a manifestation of of who you are. Um, in other words, uh, let me say it like this, like what you do, the things that you do, the things that you achieve, or, or even sometimes the things that we fail to achieve. This one is so tough for me because I hate to admit like when I have fallen short of something, right? Like I always want to look outside of myself and find, you know, some reason that I didn't crush that goal or some reason that um, that uh, promotion for business didn't work out or some reason that that uh, teaching flubbed, you know, like I always want to blame it, you know, on other people, but the things that we do, uh, yeah, sometimes there's external factors for sure. Absolutely. Like, let's don't uh, make it such a black and white answer. There, there's so many shades of gray on here, uh, d- just not 50. Um, but most often, like what we do is really, it's deeper. It's a symptom of who we are. It is the fruit of a tree. And you and I are, we're, we're, we're that tree. 
and that visible fruit, it manifests almost automatically, like, like the kind of fruit manifests really almost automatically as a result of the unseen processes that are happening inside of us. There's this great verse in the Bible that uh, kind of speaks to this. Jesus says in Matthew 7, 17, he says, a good tree bears good fruit. Uh, a bad tree bears bad fruit. Now, that, now that's obvious. That's, that's easy. Like we would just look out, like I'm in the attic. It's dark. It's night outside. So and I don't have any exterior lights on. Like we've got enough lights to where we can light that thing up like a Christmas tree when people come over and hang out and cook out and grill out and the kids are out playing and all that sort of thing. But but I can't see anything right now. If I could, I, I could see some of the trees. And I, I told you before that most of them back there are healthy. A couple, a couple years ago, back, goodness, Noah was, Noah was like two or three. So that's been, oh, geez, that's been over a decade. There was this huge tree in the middle of the yard. Right now there's nothing there. We, we had to cut that thing out and we stumped out the roots and everything. You know, just down to the, there's grass growing where this thing used to be. You can't even tell there was a tree there because the tree had some bad limbs. And so like the whole thing just had had to come down, had to pay, you know, 800, 1,000 bucks to get the thing chopped and hauled off and removed. It wasn't, it wasn't the bad limbs that made the tree a bad tree. It was a bad, diseased tree that created the bad limbs. Do you see those limbs and the bad fruit that was on those limbs was just a manifestation of what was really going on that you couldn't see underneath the surface. Uh, likewise, uh, I'm looking down the side yard that we have right here. We've got some huge trees that are amazing that provide great shade for the street and for our house. We, we live on a corner lot, and uh, the limbs that are coming out of those trees, they are not what makes that tree. The tree makes that limb. Do you see? Like, I mean, like this is just classic. Like to use a, a humorous example, it's like the question: Do the clothes make the man, or do the man make the clothes? Well, you know, it's it, who knows, right? But but in life, in life, it is the things that we do. The fruit is an overflow. It is a revelation. It reveals the source. The things that we see outside, they always, 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 always refer back to what's going on inside. That means this. Like if I went to a diseased tree in the backyard and I cut that diseased limb off, like you would still have other diseased limbs and things that came out the fruit would still be bad. But if I went to a good tree and I cut the good limb off, like it would grow another limb, but the limbs would be good because the fruit, it is a manifestation of what's going on as an unseen process. And with you and I, the exact same thing is true. And so to improve the world around you, and and this is where it really should be freeing for you. Like if you want things in business to change, then you just work on you. If you want things in health to change, you work on you. If you want things in relationships, get that. Like if you want, because we always look at them, right? Like we want them to change. But but really, here, here's kind of the flip is look at, look at you because the fruit is a symptom. And to change that fruit, you've got to deal with, get it, gasp, you, Right? Now, I'll be honest with you, like I, uh, maybe maybe you do this, like I, I tend to look outside myself and focus on the externals, but there's this verse in the Bible, I've uh, talked about it on the podcast before, and since I'm talking through the information from 
the advance from the ladders, the book that we use. Since I'm talking through that, I, I want to obviously bring it up again because it's just right here. Third John 2, it says this. Now, Third John is such a short book, like it's just got a few verses right there. It's just a few paragraphs. So there aren't even any chapter numbers. It's just the book is the chapter. John, John says this. He, he writes and he says, and he's so tender. He says, beloved, right? He's, he's tender. I'm praying and I pray that you may prosper and get this, all things. That means that if it's your business, he wants you to prosper in it. If it's your marriage, he wants you to prosper in it. If it's a friendship, he wants you to prosper. If it's a goal like writing a book or creating a course or an online class or it's a hobby or it's parenting or it's cycling or running or health or nutrition or it's learning a new skill set, he says, I pray that you may prosper in all things, you know, and, and I want you to see that like there's nothing that's outside the scope of the glory of Christ. Like Colossians says, all things, all things exist by Him and for Him. All things, even your hobbies, even that parenting thing, even the work that you do and the great task that you do every single day that nobody sees. John says, I pray that you may prosper in all things and that you would be in health, that you'd be healthy, that your physical body would be whole, that your emotional capacity would be well, that your spirit would be alive. I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health. Now here's here's kind of the footnote right here. Just as, or you could say it this way, in the same way that your soul prospers. I pray that you may prosper in all things, in everything, and that you would be healthy just as your soul is alive. Like somehow that soul is the measure of the goodness that we can carry in life. It is a measure of the prosperity of the, quote, all things, and it is a measure of how well we can be. It is a measure of, get it? Like grasp it. It it is a measure um, how well things are going inside of us, in our soul, in our mind, in our emotions, the things we see, the things we sense, the things we feel. Like that is the gauge. That is the, it's the lid of how great everything else can be. And and yeah, I know there's exceptions to that. And I know that sometimes like goodness breaks through that kind of defies those odds. But he's saying as a norm, and, and don't build your life around the exceptions, right? Like build Build it around the norm. Build it around like the things that we know to be true most of the time. And then when the exceptions come in and they break through in our favor, goodness, celebrate those, but plan for the things that we actually know to be true. And the things that we know are, are how things work. And he, he says that like how it's going on inside of you, like that's the gauge of how well it can go outside of you just like the tree. Like your soul is the inside. It is the measure. Um, now, goodness, here's here's what that means to me. If the soul was the measure, that means this. Like I'm, I'm going to do clever wordplay. I, I generally, um, full disclosure, hate them when, <laughs> that's, that's harsh, um, but j- just being honest, when other people use them, like when they're teaching and they say, you know, flippant things like um, God's going to turn your test into a testimony or God's going to make your mess a message or, you know, God's going to make your trial a triumph, you know, that kind of stuff. And they get on a roll like, I'm like, okay, goodness, give me some substance, not just a pithy saying. Uh, okay. Now that said, let me give you a pithy saying. Your soul is the 
thermometer, is it? No, no, no. It's the thermostat. It's the thermostat. It's the thermostat that sets the temperature of how things go in the environment around you. Now, downstairs and upstairs, we've got three of these in our house. They're called thermostats, but on the thermostat, the thermostat is a gauge. Now, you know this because people in the house generally argue over it, like, cool it, you know, turn it down, turn it up, you know, and all all that kind of thing. There's a thermostat on there that is going to set the temperature, the default that the environment inside the house is going to shift to. And if we set that thing on 78, like no matter how hot it gets in the house, like it's going to go and the air is going to kick in and cool that thing down to 78. And if we leave it on 78, which would be a little warm in the winter, right? If we leave it there, no matter how cold it gets, like the heat's going to kick in and it's going to bump it up to 78 because the thermostat controls it, not the thermometer. The thermometer is going to read it. And so often, like we think that our soul is the thermometer, like we're down and we feel down and we feel in the dumps and we go, oh God, it's just because life has been tough lately. And I get it. Like I've been through this season where I've walked in depression literally, where I have been depressed, where there's been calamity after calamity after calamity. Like you can, you can read them. If you download, I'll put the link to this in the show notes too. You can download the free redemption ebook where you can look and just start reading the parts on shame and guilt and emotional wholeness. Those particular, I talk about some of the emotional stuff that I've been through. Like I know that there is this season where our soul can become a thermostat and it just starts reading the world around us and it just starts reading the chaos and it just starts intaking the calamity and it just sets us internally to what's going on. And when that happens, like we're never going to have grapefruit until we get to a place of health where we realize that our soul can become the thermometer, that regardless of what's going on around us, like we can set the mood, we can set the environment, we can set the temperature. Does it mean bad things don't happen? No. Does it mean we don't always have... um, uh, does it mean we always have tidy answers for everything and pithy sayings? No, we don't live like in a in a in a Twitterverse where just everything kind of wraps up. We don't live in like um, little TV episodes from the '70s where everything just kind of gets neat, tidied up with a bow at the end of 22 minutes or whatever it is. Like sometimes there's this tension of things aren't always right; they're not always as we know they should be. But when we live from the soul being that thermostat that sets the mood and controls it, when we get to a state of health, like that's when the things outside of us really begin to change. It all starts with me and it all starts with you. Now, a couple couple years ago, I was reading through this book. Sway, sway is the name of it. The Irresistible Pull of Irrational Behavior, Sway. Now, in the book, um, the authors talk about this. They, they talk about pre-existing beliefs and how pre-existing beliefs can really affect our ongoing belief patterns, even when we're confronted with information that seems to contradict what we previously believed. I mean, you know people like that. Like, they believe something, and they're never going to believe new information no matter how hard you try, no matter how much evidence that you show them that actually contradicts that what they believe is not true. 
Now, in this book, these authors, they write about a visiting lecturer who went to MIT, uh, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, like one of the schools that is for brainiacs. And and you would think that if nobody is going to be swayed by false information, it is going to be the most credentialed pedigreed students at MIT. So here's what they did. They had a teacher go in and lecture 70 economic students. Okay, again, logical, not artists, not creatives, economic people, economists, logical, money people, okay, in a prestigious thinking, high SAT score type of university. Okay, so again, they're not going to be swayed, you'd think. Here's what happens. 70 students in there, they all listen at the exact same time to the exact same lecture. Here's what happens is half the students, 35 of them, are giving a biography of the guest lecture that says this. It says that this teacher is a guest lecturer that's an extremely warm person. Half of them, the other 35, are given a bio that says that this professor was rather cold. Okay, so half hear that he's kind, half hear that the professor is unkind, and they all listen at the exact same time to the exact same lecture. And then they get to evaluate the professor. Here's what happens. Get this. The half that received the, this is a warm person bio, they wrote in their comments like how great this person was, how funny the professor was, how the professor made them laugh, told great stories, made things extremely applicable, how economics was actually made exciting by the professor. The other half did this. The other half received the rather cold bio. Uh, they said that that teacher was aloof, that he was self-centered, rigid, inflexible, boring, formal, stiff, lifeless. And you think, you're like, did these students not listen to the same lecture at the exact same time? What happened? And here's what happened. When you and I sent something, And when we go into it and we already believe it and we've let our soul be a thermostat and our soul is already predetermined about what's going on or even if it's even if it's a thermostat that's predetermined a bad way like when we do that and we go in we've already decided like that's what we get and that's the fruit that manifests you and I end up getting exactly what we're looking for I did this uh, exercise with my kids a couple years ago. We were at the beach. We're in the pool swimming one day. It's, it's weird. Like we go to the beach, and we'll go to the beach beach. You know, a couple days, and they always want to stay where we just go to the pool. And they go figure. So we're at the pool one day, and they always want this challenge. Like, hey, if I hold my breath and swim across the water, you know, underneath the entire way, will you do X, Y, or Z, or I'll win this prize, or, you know, something like that. And so I, I gave them, you know, a, a game like that, and they didn't win it, and so they're, they're wanting another challenge. And so I just tried this one, and I said, okay, well, here, here's what I want you guys to do. I, I want you to all look around the pool, and I want you for the next 15 seconds I want you to count. Now, now, let me tell you this. This pool is outside, and it is surrounded by trees everywhere. Like, it is it is in the middle of... It's, it's a beautiful scenery where, where we did this. Like, you have to walk down this path um, to get to the pool, and when you get to the pool, like, literally on all sides, there are these great, lush, 
palms, bamboo, other types of beechish type trees. I mean, deep, 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 deep everywhere. Like you, you can barely see the houses that are nearby because of this community pool and how, how they've kind of secluded this and made this like just this great, great location. So I asked the kids, I'm like, okay, well, why don't you guys look around and I want you to count and tell me how many, um, just count how many blue things that you see. So for the next 15 seconds, count how many blue things you see. And so I'm thinking, you know, they're going to count the water. That's a given. They're going to count the sky. That's there. They're, they're probably going to pick up some blue in a bathing suit. And so I start counting down at the end of the 15 seconds or so. I say, okay, how many, how many greens did you see? And they were, they were shocked. Like they'd all seen like two or three blues, you know, they'd got the sky, they'd got the water, they'd got the givens, they'd gotten like a bathing suit or a float or something like that. Or somebody saw a ball that had some blue in it. They'd they'd all pick these, but how many greens and none of them saw any. Yet there they were, they were surrounded on all four sides of them by nothing but nothing but for 10, 20, 30 yards deep of nothing but green as far as as deep as they could see, and they saw none. What's the point? We see what we're looking for. If you're looking for blue, you're going to ignore every other color except for blue. If you're looking for green, they would have seen green, and they would have ignored every other single color. If you're looking for chaos, and if you're looking for reasons why your dreams aren't going to work, and if you're looking at the things that are stacked against you, that's what you're going to find. But if you're looking for the reasons why, if you're looking for hope, if you're looking for encouragement, if you're looking for the truth that this thing is inside of you, and this thing is going to come to pass, Here's what's going to happen is all of a sudden the universe somehow is going to conspire with you. Okay, and that's just kind of fancy language. Like it's going to conspire with you and you're going to see the reasons why you're going to succeed. You're going to see why everything's going to come to fruition. Great verse in the Bible. Proverbs 23, 7, it says this. Solomon just writing, he says, As a man thinks so is he. As a man thinks and ponders and believes, that's the fruit that manifests. Okay, like Solomon knew that like our thoughts permeate every single part of our being. They really start affecting like every part of us. This is why Paul writes in Romans 12, something I referred to earlier that you're to be transformed, not not just by doing things. Don't be transformed just by rushing out and start changing a bunch of stuff. Be transformed first from the inside out by the renewing of your mind. You see? There's a verse where Jesus is talking in the New Testament. And I don't think he's talking about like just mental uh, transformation, but but it totally applies. Like in Matthew 13, 33, um, same thing as in Luke 13, 21. He, he says something like this, uh, to what shall we like in the kingdom of God? And, and then he gives people this word picture. He says, the kingdom of God, it's like leaven, which a woman took. She hid in three measures of meal. So she hid three measures of it in flour and until it was all leavened. Now, you know what he's talking about. You put a little bit of yeast in the dough, and that yeast is going to work its way through the entire batch of dough. 
Now, Jesus used yeast in two ways. Like in one way, he said, beware of the yeast or the leaven of Herod and the leaven of the Pharisees. Like watch out for the bad use because um, bad things can permeate through everything as well. Like bad stuff can just run amok like a virus through the hard drive of a, of a computer. And well, if it's a Windows computer, right? I had to say that. But good stuff just runs amok as well. Like good stuff just runs like chaotically like out of control like if that's the way that we dwell and if that's what we think on like that truth starts permeating our minds and that starts constantly revealing and wrapping and begin transforming how we do things now this doesn't mean that you're not going to hit roadblocks it doesn't mean that you're not going to hit barriers it doesn't mean that you're not going to come up against obstacles i I mean in, in fact like I would say like on every road that you ever travel, um, just in your car, right? There's always a pothole. There's always, man, there's always like, there's always roadkill on the side of the road. There's always something that can distract you. There's always stuff that comes against you on every single road. A couple years ago, Christy and I were going to Whitewater Raft together. We were just taking a trip overnight for like two nights to go stay in a cabin in the woods and to go Whitewater Raft one day and then just spend some time hanging out. And I remember like we were out of town, like we had just barely gotten out of downtown Birmingham. And then all of a sudden I'm driving along, we had a Mini Cooper in the time. And I got this, it just, like the car just lowered by about like half an inch because I was on these um, low rider tires. I just had this flat. All all of a sudden, like you'd barely know it, but it just starts riding a little bit rougher. And I'm like, I've got something going on. I've got to pull off. And so I pull off the road, I look and the whole tire zipped off from around the rim. Had to get the car towed about two, three miles away to an auto repair shop and put a new tire on it, and then we were off on the trip. It delayed us by maybe maybe three hours before we even got out of town. Now, it would have been foolish to think, well, you know, we had this dream of going out of town. We, you know, we were looking forward to going whitewater rafting. We we were really, you know, anticipating having, you know, great you know, two nights together and great day and just kind of hanging out. But I guess that's that. So we'll, we'll just get the tire changed and turn around and go back home. Or we'll, we'll just abandon the car and we'll just leave. Like that, that would be crazy. But you see people do this kind of thing all the time with their dreams. You hit a roadblock and you assume that it was a bad dream. It wasn't. It was just a pothole or a flat tire on the right road. Uh, do you remember the Wizard of Oz? Like uh, Dorothy is going down the Yellow Brick Road. Follow the Yellow Brick Road. Follow the Yellow Brick Road, and she's going to the to Oz. She's going because she thinks the wizard can help her get home, and so she's following that Yellow Brick Road. But on the way, she hits lions and tigers and bats and witches and all this other stuff, and it was just stuff that was on the road. That stuff doesn't define the road. The destination defines the road, and your destination defines your dream. It's not the chaos that we allow to define us. And here's what, I, here's what I'm getting at is as you set your agenda and as you start walking forward on this road, as you start working your plan, you know, moving up like we've, we've just got that ladder, right? And, you know, let me refer back to it where you start off at the what and then you move up. Second rung is the how. Third rung is the why. Fourth rung is the who. This fifth rung is you. You're going to get higher and farther and and closer, quicker to your dreams when you start working the most on you 
And as you do that, you're going to sense that um, one of two things is really going to define that road that you're on. Um, One is this, the reality that God has called you to something magnificent and great and that it is your destiny to walk in that per Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, that it's by grace that you're saved and it's not of your work, so no one can boast, but he did this and he's foreordained these great works for you to walk in, that you're his workmanship created from before time began. Like he knew you before the foundation of the world and he's rescued you and redeemed you and set in motion this plot, this narrative, this storyline that is for you to walk towards your destiny. The reality of that can drive you. And when you believe that and get that inside your spirit and get that inside your mind and let that be the thermostat, that's going to be the fruit that comes out. On the other hand, you can let the reasons that you bump into and the reasons that you see in obstacles and potholes and issues that you face on the way, you can let that define the road instead. And one of those two things will do it. It will be the reality that God's called you and that he's destined it for you. And and I don't just mean he calls people like to be quote ministers. Like I believe he calls people to be teachers and he calls people to lead lucrative profitable businesses so that they can do amazing things with the money. He calls people to to run gyms and help people be healthy and he calls people to be nurses and doctors and bring healing to people. And he calls people to stay at home with their kids and and raise the next generation of world changers. And he calls people to build and to create and to be craftsmen. He, he calls so like everybody, uh, but Jesus said that many called, right? Like many are called and that reality can lead us or the reasons that we give not to embrace that can lead us. And so here, here's what I'm saying is like deal with the deeper issues now. And continue dealing with them. And as if you've got, like we talked about in the previous episode, people that are in that inner circle, they're on that bus with you, like give those people permission to speak truth to you and to do this thing called, now let me say it like this, accountability. Um, so often, I, I think particularly like in church Christianese type circles, like what we do is we make accountability be this bad focus type thing, like this sin focus thing, like hold me accountable not to you know get angry or hold me accountable not to look at pornography or hold me accountable not to cheat or lie or steal. But, but we rarely make accountability like be this positive thing, like I'm giving you the right to hold me accountable to pursuing my destiny. Like this is my God-given dream. And these are, just like I talked about with the what episode, these are the catalytic actions that I take every single day. And I'm giving you the right to call me out on if I'm not prioritizing these things that I've already said are the proven success recipe to move that dream forward. Like I'm giving you the right to hold me accountable to walk in the greatness and in the glory of what I know that I'm destined to. Like you need people that call that forth out of you. And and here's here's what I would say is as you do that, you also need people who who do call that other stuff in you. Those idiosyncrasies, those uh, oddities, like like we, we all have them, right? We just don't know what they are, but... Like, I, I guarantee you, like, if you're married, 
uh, you you can ask your spouse like what are your what are what are your blind spots and what are your idiosyncrasies and they'll know they'll they'll tell you or uh, here here's one that I'm kind of coming in contact with now is like my my kids are old enough to really be thinking pretty sharp on their feet you know 16 14 13 uh, 11 you know that, that's the older ones and they're they're brilliant and every now and then like they'll imitate me or they'll imitate their mom and they'll um, like, like we'll see really quick like what some of our oddities are and, and here's the reality when you get a stage as you succeed in business or as you succeed with your dreams as that platform grows here, here's what happens and you see this particularly in business but this is true in ministry this is true everywhere that as your platform grows and as you succeed that everything in your life gets amplified. And, and I mean everything, like the good parts get amplified for the good and the, let's say the not so good, odd parts get amplified for the not so good. Uh, all right, so l- let me give you an example. Uh, I, I've got this, i got a friend, his name's Scott. Uh, he just wrote a great book, Man Up. And Scott used to be like a natural health practitioner, okay? And so um, during that time, like he always kind of looked like a good old boy, you know, goatee and that kind of stuff. Like you could look at him and tell like, okay, he's like a dude. He's a man's man. He likes to, you know, shoot, to, to drive motorcycles. Like you could just look at him and tell that. But several years ago, he retired from that and began working from home. His wife had started a successful home-based business that has done, I mean, it, it they, like they're doing really well now. And over the last couple years, I've noticed this is like Scott's uh, grown out his hair. Like it's it's really long and he's grown out that beard. It's extremely long. In, in fact, like I just I made this meme and sent it to him, like kidding him about being Chewbacca. Like that's like if, if you see him, like you'd know like he's he looks like a human version, a, a very handsome human version of Chewbacca. And he's tall and he's you know, big, muscular, big, and all that sort of stuff. That stuff, that long hair, that goatee, that beard, all the, the dress code. Um, for goodness sake, like this guy never wears a suit. Like even at the best events, like I ran into him at the Young Living Essential Oils Convention and everybody's kind of business casual and that stuff. And I walk in and he's wearing a t-shirt and shorts and like running shoes in the middle of the day when everybody's in this business workshops. All that stuff got amplified in him. It was always there. But as he got more successful, and it didn't matter to people who were above him in business, um, they couldn't control that, right? Like what he wore or how he looked, it got amplified. It just came out. So often we think that success changes people. Here's what I'm saying is it doesn't change people. It just reveals the reality that's already there. Here, here's what also got amplified in Scott. And that, that one's kind of a funny one because that like it's a great, like that's just who he is. He looks amazing. The generosity got amplified too. Like whereas he used to want to give, like to hear him tell stories, to hear his testimony and hear him speaking. I mean, he spoke at Advanced Six in Atlanta and he's speaking again at 8.0 here coming up. And to hear the things that he's able to do, which he doesn't brag about, like you got to pull it out of him and say, hey, tell me like what success makes possible. Like tell me what you, and to hear him talk about the things that success makes possible where you can meet needs or when, when your church is raising money to, to build churches in third world countries 
countries for missionaries. And you don't have to say, hey, can we contribute to this project? You can actually look at it and go, hey, how many projects do we want to fund? Like, do we want to fund one or do we want to fund two? Uh, or it's a whole different thing. And it's because success just amplifies the stuff that's it's already inside of you. This is why it's important now, because if you continue walking towards your dreams, you're going to succeed. If you continue doing the things that successful people do, putting in the time, putting in the effort that we talked about when we talked about the how on, um, I think it was the ladder series number three in this, it was the second rung up the ladder. Like if you continue putting in the time and the effort, doing the actions, like you're going to succeed. And when you do, the stuff in you gets amplified. So it's make time. Make time to do the deep work of the soul right now, right? Make time to be doing the transformative work of the emotions, of, of, of the soul, of the mindsets, of the mental shifts, of the belief patterns, of the relational outputs that need to happen, of the deposits into other people that need to occur now because it all gets amplified later. You see? Well... That's it. That is that is the ladder. You move from the what to the how to the why to the who to the you. And I'd remind you, go on to the website to www.theladder.info. www.theladder.info. Download some of the worksheets. Absolutely, totally, completely free. You don't have to opt in. You can just get it right there. And as I sign off, let me just sign off the way that I do every single week. I'll be back next episode with more from the Redemption Series and be continuing that one. May the Lord until then bless you, keep you, shine His face of favor upon you. May you sense and feel that the greatest work that you're going to do is not outside there but it is inside here. It is the deep work that you do. And as the inside changes, then the outside is transformed. And may you hold fast to the truth that your heavenly Father wants to do something amazingly radical to you, to you. And as He does it to you, He's going to continue doing something incredible through you. Grace, shalom, I'll see you again soon.